0: Welcome to our eighth episode here on the K2 Podcast. Um, Today is Monday, April the 20th, and I just want to take a second to kind of uh, thank everybody for tuning into the show every week. Uh, Everybody who shares the videos, likes the videos, subscribes to the videos, all of that stuff certainly means a lot to me. Uh, So I do thank you guys uh, for doing that and tuning in every single week. Um, But uh, I do want to hop right into tonight's show. So without further ado, uh, we're going to take a look at a few things because a lot has developed since the last time that we were together. Um, So here we got Obama, okay? He finally does it, guys. He comes out and publicly endorses his pal, Sleepy Joe. And I have to say, it caught me off guard, okay? And um, mostly because he took... Until the damn near end to come out and support who he calls his friend Joe Biden. But also because we actually talked about this very subject last night uh, where uh, excuse me, not last night, last Monday on last Monday's episode about Obama uh, not endorsing Joe Biden. And I actually posted the podcast on uh, several other social media sites using the hashtag Obama won't endorse and I thought it was interesting he came out uh not even 24 hours later and endorsed uh his buddy um now I'm not the only one who's covered this Uh, that's kind of been the going theme everybody was sort of questioning why Obama hadn't come out and actually endorsed but we're going to take a look at the endorsement speech because I happen to notice a few things and does Obama really endorse Joe Biden or is he just going through the motions because if I'm being honest it didn't seem genuine to me is especially because Obama waited like I said until the very last minute to come out and endorse his friend but in addition to that I think one of the reasons why Obama may have waited To give his endorsement is because they weren't sure which candidate was going to get the nominee. Um, So they didn't want to waste Joe uh, Obama's endorsement speech on Joe Biden early on. Should Joe Biden not have gotten the nominee, then essentially Obama's um, endorsement speech would have went to waste earlier in the race. So I just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, But... We're going to watch a little bit of the speech here. I took a few clips from that speech. We're not going to watch the whole video, but Obama attempted to deliver what was, which was, what was seemingly a positive message, but I did notice a few things, and uh, let's just uh, talk about it. Let's take a look here. I'll bring the speech up.
1: I'm so proud to endorse Joe Biden for president of the United States.
0: So there you have it. The big guy himself is endorsing his pal, Joe Biden. Now, although I did, like I said, I found it interesting. He decided to wait until the last minute to endorse, but he finally does it. But we're going to keep on watching here and listen to what Obama says was one of his best decisions that he's ever made.
1: Choosing Joe to be my vice president was one of the best decisions I ever made and he became a close friend. And I believe Joe has all the qualities we need in a president right
0: now. So, an elderly man who I believe his mental health is clearly deteriorating is everything that we need. I mean, look, this is this is serious, guys. So let me just say this because I don't want to seem like I'm being insensitive or trying to make slight of people with a potential mental illness. But I I genuinely feel bad for Joe Biden and I'll tell you why because it's almost as if he's being used by the Democrats as someone to prop up. You know, it it's like someone that they can control or someone that they can manipulate. Cuz I'll be honest, there was a time maybe 4 years ago when oh, or excuse me, there was a time 4 years ago when Biden actually could deliver clear and concise messages. You know, uh, he would get his points across. He, You understood what he was saying. Whether or not you agree with those points, he still made them in a clear manner. So I just don't see that anymore with him. You know, I, and I can't keep quiet or sit on the sidelines as I watch what appears to be a man's mental health deteriorating and I'm not the only person with this opinion this has been covered by people of all walks of life from all kinds of different top experts and doctors and things like that so I'm not the only person with this opinion that this man's mental health is deteriorating and matter of fact while I got your attention what I'll do is I will I wanna bring to you guys attention uh, a tweet here this is from a a uh, youtuber uh, his name is Cody Johnson who I thought brought up a very good point In one of his tweets, and I quote, At a certain point, there needs to be a serious and empathetic conversation about Biden's relatively frequent, confused, irritable inability to complete coherent thoughts. It's not about a stutter. Watching him speak a mere four years ago makes that clear. Hope this happens soon. So I think he brings up a very good point there with his tweet getting over 6,000 likes. So, you know... This is something that people are starting to notice. But if you want to take it a step further, let's take a look at this tweet from a guy. Uh, His uh, name is Existo Validus 2.0 who says he no longer can be a part of the Democratic Party because of this. And here's his tweet. And I quote, yes, he's not fit to be president. And if the Democratic Party says he is, they're lying. For that reason, no longer a Democrat. Hashtag Biden dementia. So this is a theme that I'm also seeing where people feel like they can no longer support the Democratic Party because, you know, they're they're wondering why they're propping up Joe Biden when you can clearly see that there's a mental health issue going on. But, you know, I, I will take it a step further. I have another article here from the Washington Examiner. I just took a little snippet from uh, where Rudy Giuliani comments on what he believes is the condition of Biden's health. And Giuliani says, and I quote, This is There is obvious signs of dementia. If you consider that what he is displaying gets worse, what's he going to be like three years from now if he doesn't know what state he's in, he can't figure out who his wife is, and if he thinks 150 million people, which is half the population of America, got killed, then what's he going to be like two years from now when that illness gets worse? Now, in Biden's defense... I do want to say I don't believe that a diagnosis of his condition has been confirmed, but as you can see, There's something going on there. Now, I know what you're probably thinking right now. I know exactly what you're probably thinking. You're probably thinking, well, Kevin, who are these people? Why are you going to bring up their tweets? You're going to bring up Trump's attorney to say that Biden has health issues? Of course Rudy Giuliani's going to say that. He's biased, Kevin. Come on. Well, let's take a look at this one. I got one more for you. So this is uh, from former President Barack Obama's once longtime doctor of 22 years who had this to say. And I quote... He is not a healthy guy, end quote. Now, this is a medical professional speaking who actually took a look at Biden's medical records and came up with this determination that he is not a healthy guy. Now, he does go on, to be fair, he does go on to say this. He's not in bad shape for his age, but I wouldn't say he's in outstanding health. Could I guarantee he won't have issues for the next four years? He has a lot of issues just sort of sitting there. So this is a Obama's long-term doctor of 22 years. Um, so you have a medical professional who's also weighing in on this situation. So there's obviously something going on that people are starting to notice. And Obama says, you know, hey, this is a guy who's fit to for the job. I don't know that that's if I feel confident in those in those words. Um, but we're going to keep on watching here and uh, take a look at what Obama also has to say. That's why I asked him to implement
1: the Recovery Act, which saved millions of jobs and got people back on their feet.
0: So just want to do a quick little snippy here. The Recovery Act, in which he's saying he told Joe to pass or asked Joe to pass, who knows what he's really saying there, but... The Recovery Act was passed in February of 2010, where the unemployment rate was as high as 9.8%. Okay? Now, I don't see a significant decrease until the second row there that I have highlighted in 2015, when the unemployment rate went down to 5.5%. So you mean to tell me it took five years for people to get back on their feet, and you can see here. Last month in March, the unemployment rate was four point four percent during a global pandemic. Um, now those numbers are likely to continue to go up, but as it stands, we're still below. Still below what what he's calling millions saving millions of jobs and, and all of this stuff. So I just found that to interesting. I don't want to get sidetracked on that. Let's uh, keep watching here.
1: Joe has the character and the experience to guide us through one of our darkest times and heal us through a long recovery and I
0: so he's saying Joe's going to guide us through these troubling times when his mental health is in question, and I would also like to think that the worst of this coronavirus stuff will be behind us you know i can't I'm not a medical professional. I don't have any evidence to back that up. Call it wishful thinking, if you will. But I would like to think that the bulk of this stuff would be behind us before anybody else would be considered into office, or you know, take uh, Trump's place should that event happen. So, is he really going to be guiding us through those tough times, or is the bulk of the work already been done? I mean, that's for for you guys to decide. But I just wanted to kind of uh, mention that. But let's keep watching here.
1: No he'll surround himself
0: with good people
1: experts, scientists, military officials who actually know how to run the government and care about doing a good job running the government.
0: So, so guys, don't worry, don't worry, it's going to be okay. Just like all state, Joe Biden's going to be in good hands cuz essentially to me, I feel like Obama just said there Hey, we're gonna make sure that, you know, Joe, he's got gonna have all the right people around him. We're gonna surround him with scientists, we're gonna surround him with all these top experts and government officials. But what about Joe? What is he gonna be doing? So to me, all he's doing there is essentially just saying that we're gonna make sure our old buddy Grandpa Joe is taken care of during during his presidency. So that leads to question who's who's actually running the government there. But let's keep going.
1: But if there's one thing we've learned as a country from moments of great crisis, it's that the spirit of looking out for one another can't be restricted to our homes or our workplaces or our neighborhoods or our houses
0: of worship. And I just want to say there, the places of worship—you mean like one where the churchgoers and the pastors are being arrested? I mean, that's just—you know—that's pretty much all I have for that video. I just wanted to kind of touch base on uh, his endorsement speech and a few things that I had noticed that was going on, but the next story that I want to get into that we're going to take a look at, so the next story that we're going to take a look at is basically recently there was a a podcast, uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, he had on special guest Tulsi Gabbard, and they bring up a few interesting points that kind of ties into our original uh, clip here of Obama saying that Biden's going to be in good hands and, uh, you know, not to worry about his mental health. You know, he doesn't say that directly, but that's kind of what I feel like he's trying to get across. Um, so they they, they touch on a few things in Joe Rogan's podcast. Uh, so he had Tulsi Gabbard on and I just want to take a look at the look at the clip. And they 're going to talk about what they believe is happening within the Democratic Party, so I just want to take a look at that and kind of uh touch base on this clip What they want versus what they say they want are two very different things exactly the democratic party's party's always been like, "We want a woman okay, I got you a woman. How about a woman that 's a veteran? Check How about a woman that 's a congressman? How about that Congresswoman veteran. Minority Minority from Hawaii. All these positives these- And that is a good point. They say that you know they are, are all they are always saying that they want these things. But let's keep watching here. They're trying to dig up dirt on you. They don't have anything. They should be behind you. They should have wind in your sails. But no.
2: and, the, and the other thing they're saying is that, you know, in order for Democrat to beat Donald Trump in 2020, you're going to have to be able to take Trump voters away from him. You're going to have to win over those independents who stayed home in 2016 or even some of those Democrats who voted for Trump because they feel like our party has left them behind.
0: So she brings up a good point there. She says there's so many people within the Democratic Party party that feel left behind you know and we've noticed that with one of the gentlemen's tweets earlier that we looked at that said you know I can no longer be a part of the Democratic Party because of this now I believe this is probably happening for this is one of the reasons why I believe this is probably happening because I feel like there's two parties within inside the Democratic Party you have the totally out of control uh, extreme leftist Democrats on Capitol Hill that are totally disconnected from their own party voters and supporters. And then you have the everyday Democrats who are just feeling lost and left behind. So, and it's almost, it's, it's just interesting to see that, you know, they're taking note of that as well. But let's keep watching the clip here.
3: What?
2: Check, 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 check. We're doing all those things, and instead of saying, hey, this is really something that maybe we should get behind, instead they're saying, oh my gosh, there's something very suspicious
0: and weird about her because she's actually stealing voters from Trump. Do they want to win or don't they? they that do, is the question. But they don't want to win with someone they can't control. Exactly. So there you have it, folks. They don't want to win with someone they can't control control. So this is could this be the reason why they're propping up old sleepy Joe? You know, I mean, I'm not 100% sure on that. I'll leave that up to you to decide, but it's kind of interesting that you hear a democratic, you know, candidate going to say that they want somebody that they can control. Joe Rogan seems to agree. Now, I don't typically agree with Joe Rogan on a lot of things, but I did find this clip to be interesting. And I do want to say, I'm not a big fan of Tulsi Gabbard at all, but I do want to say that she seemed to have a plan of attack. You know, When I'm looking for a candidate, I'm looking for somebody with a plan of attack. She seems to have that. She also appears to deliver clear and concise thoughts, you know, in complete sentences and make sense of things. Whether you agree with those, you know, thoughts or not is a different story, but she's able to deliver those. And essentially her own party was even turning on her at one point. So the whole thing is just kind of strange to me, you know, I don't understand this whole propping up of Joe. So, I mean, it just brings the question, but... I want to get into our final segment uh, or, or one of our final stories of the night. Is the economy and mental health taking a back seat as we navigate through this virus? Um, is it being pushed aside? Because one of the issues we're seeing around the country is mental health issues economy issues, government issues with people feeling that their basic rights are being infringed upon. Um, and we recently saw an example of this uh, in Michigan where the protesters gathered to express what they believe is an overreach by the government. Now we're going to take a look at a the first clip I want to play surrounding this is a gentleman who claims that you're an idiot for wanting to get back to work, provide for your family, invoking your rights. Um, let's take a look at that clip here. If y'all don't take y'all
1: asses home, this is what I'm mad about. All y'all want to sit down there and pump your horn, hang out the window, throw your flag out, because y'all don't like what somebody told y'all to do?
0: So I want to point this out real quickly. This is not about doing what somebody told you to do. This is about wanting to work, okay? This is about wanting to provide uh For your family, this is about preserving mental health. you know being able to pay your bills, have food in your refrigerator, you know take care of your family, and you shouldn 't be called an idiot or made feel feel that you're inferior for wanting to do those things you know it, it this guy 's demeanor and attitude just doesn 't set right with me, but we 're going to keep on watching the video here. Watch the rest of this clip
1: you're some idiots. do my job i can't help anybody because y'all decide to block up every interest way to get to the hospital
0: so he can't do his job that same frustration that same passion that that man has right there is the same passion that these people are feeling left with when they can't go to work they can't provide for their families you know i wondered and I wondered if this was a Black Lives Matters protest where the road was blocked up because that's what he's getting at. He was upset because the road was blocked up. But if this was a Black Lives Matter protest, would things have been different? Would he have had that same energy or would it have been okay? You know, so I do agree. I will say blocking the road is not the way to go in any protest, okay? It's probably a very poor choice. And display a protest. But if I'm being fair here, from what I've been able to gather and from my understanding, this gridlock that was caused in Michigan was actually caused by an overwhelmingly strong police presence. Now, I'd have to dig a little bit deeper to confirm that. Um, and I wasn't there to actually see, but that's kind of what I've been seeing was the police were actually causing the gridlock, uh, where traffic could no longer flow. So, If that's true or not, that's up for speculation, and there was a lot of false information surrounding this whole protest in Michigan, but we're going to keep on going here. I have another clip uh, that's going to piggyback onto this uh, Michigan protest here, so let's just take a look at that. With Gretchen Whitmer, you endanger the public. That's the new standard in Michigan. Debbie Dingle supports that standard. Dingle is a longtime GM lobbyist, a car lobbyist, who inherited her congressional seat from her husband, who in turn inherited it from his father. Dingle has represented Michigan and the U.S. House of Representatives continuously for 88 years, since 1932. The family business is politics, but it's really a form of monarchy. You won't be surprised to learn that Debbie Dingell is very popular socially in Washington. She shares with her neighbors there an undisguised loathing for the people of Michigan. She expressed that contempt this morning on NBC.
1: What happened yesterday was inexcusable. People did not have masks, they did not have gloves, they did not distance themselves, they had Confederate flags, swastikas, they blocked an ambulance trying to get to a hospital. Freaking hate and fear into a time that is already full of fear and anxiety, it's just unacceptable. There were people barehanded, handing candy to children. What they did was to help spread this disease around the state more, most likely, not contribute to the mitigation, and it just made me sad.
0: Well, Ms. Dingle, the Bill of Rights doesn't care about your feelings, okay? And I just wanna bring to your attention, guys, that she made a claim that there was a Nazi swastika At this event, well, I dug a little deeper to look into this. And there was a, she's claiming there was a flag that, a Nazi flag that was being presented here. At the, um, at the, uh, protest. But I looked into it and went to Snopes.com. And as you can see here, it says, claim a photograph shows a swastika flag bearing the names Trump and Pence displayed at Operation Gridlock protest in Michigan. Now, the rating was miscaptioned. Now, I want to say this is, this is the problem with Snopes because they labeled this as miscaptioned. But this wasn't miscaptioned. This was totally false. And we're going to take a look here. And the reason why I say it's totally false is this is the photo that they they that they're referencing they're saying this was the flag that was at this Michigan protest. Now, if you read at the bottom here, uh, I don't know if you can see that, but it says, This appears to be a genuine photograph. However, it was not taken in Lansing, Michigan during Operation Gridlock in 2020. This photograph was taken a month earlier at a protest in Boise, Idaho. Okay, so somebody just basically put this out there and said, Oh, yeah, look, they're doing a swastika. And this lady, Miss Dingle, is spreading false information. So this was why I say, Can you really believe that the uh, gridlock was not caused to other uh, issues such as the police presence? It makes you question the whole event, you know, and they're saying, oh, who uh, she's saying, how could you spread fear and lies in a time like this? Well, who's spreading the fears and lies? You know, I I guess I I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me. You know, I just it doesn't set with me uh, well at all at all. Um, But we're going to keep on taking a look here because I have another clip that we saw a similar protest uh, here in my home state in Virginia. But before we get into this clip, I do want to give credit to this reporter. Her name is Jackie DeFusco, who I felt actually reported this event accurately, uh, tried to do a non-biased job in my opinion. So I just want to give credit to her because you know. Many times it's hard to find that in reporters these days, but let's just take a look at uh, Jackie DeFusco's video here. I just want to bring that up for you guys. Hey,
2: my name is Jackie DeFusco. I'm a reporter here with Eight News in Richmond, and I'm over here at the state capitol. And I'm moving my mask so you can hear me, okay? So it's a little bit muffled, but uh, I, I want to tell you kind of what is going on today. Um, what people are asking for and how many people are here, uh, what law enforcement has been doing to kind of handle the situation. So uh, yeah, um, but
0: basically- so she's at this protest. just want to give a little bit of background. She's at this protest, which happened last Thursday, and we're going to watch the rest of this, but I'm sure she's going to tell us that it was complete chaos, that there was madness, riots, people were just out of control. So let's take a look as she tells us about that.
2: Basically, the purpose of this rally is to tell Governor Ralph Northam to reopen Virginia's economy. Um, You know, right now, there are basically the consensus seems to be that they want it open by May 1st. Right now, the governor's stay-at-home order is until June 10th, as you know, and then there's another executive order that is in effect until May 8th, which, you know, applies more to personal care businesses as well as uh, recreational facilities and entertainment venues. Um, But, you know, basically, these people are saying that this, this quarantine has gone too
0: far. So that seems reasonable to me. People are saying, "Hey, you're pushing this out a little bit too far." I don't think I can make it another month until June 10th without any kind of income to support my family. You know, it's just it, they're saying, "Hey, look, and we will even, you know, when this happened last Thursday, uh, you know, they're saying, "Well, hey, well, you know, let's keep it locked down for another 2 weeks, but May 1st we need to start getting the ball rolling on these things. I don't think I can make it till June 10th." So It doesn't seem unreasonable to me. It doesn't seem unreasonable to me, but let's keep watching here.
2: It's basically their message. They're concerned about government tyranny, about government overreach, and some are just concerned about the economy and the future of the economy. Uh, throughout this pandemic, we're seeing governors and, um, as well as President Donald Trump, kind of putting public health over the economy. Just today, we saw 5.2 million more people nationwide um, applied for unemployment benefits, and that was just last week. Um, so, you know, no secret that this is having a big impact, and that's another big reason reason why people are here today. Um so again we're standing right uh, at the state capitol on the grounds. Um this is the capitol building right here and the governor's mansion uh is just ahead of me. Um and you know you see a sign right there says my body my choice to work. Uh I
0: just- So I don't know if it, Jackie here was trolling but she shows this lady's poster which brings up a good point which is my body, my choice, my right to work. I just thought that was an interesting take on it, and it's a very good point, but let's keep watching. just
2: interviewed that woman. She is a long-term sub uh, who obviously, her employment has been impacted by this. And, uh, you know, as far as who organized this rally, it's honestly kind of unclear. Uh, we got a press release last night about it, and basically what they told us was that several groups, th- about three groups, basically got together and... Uh, organized this within the last five days um, and there really wasn't that much of a heads up about it. We just got a press release about it last night um, and you know many of these people basically just brought their family down maybe one family member and are are kind of just sitting here peacefully there hasn't been any chanting Um, there hasn't been a lot of fuss as far as the police go Um, basically the police a couple minutes ago i'd say probably 10 minutes ago there were a bunch of people gathered surrounding this monument and basically they came over and told people to spread out and as you can see you got a couple of families over here sitting six feet apart um and people did they were compliant they did spread out the police said that they would warn people three times before they
0: so what you mean you mean to tell me that people weren't you know, people weren't rioting. They were practicing social distancing, invoking their rights peacefully, trying to compromise and say, hey, you know, let's start getting back to work, you know, on May 1st. Uh, and people are shunning this behavior. I mean, it's just kind of interesting to me. You know, I just thought that would, I don't see the harm in any of this. You know, I'm not, and I'm not, and I just want to say, I'm not advocating for people to go out and act. Carelessly or be foolish, okay? There d- protect yourself if you're going out. But there's so many different businesses that are open right now that if some businesses are open, I would like to think all businesses can open and follow these guidelines. You know, still practice social distancing, wear your mask, wash your hands. You know, just be smart about it. I'm not advocating for foolishness and you know, just going around coughing on people. That that's ignorant but people need have the right and to provide and you know uh offer things for their family so after looking at those clips people are are concerned with the with the economy and i also want to shed some light on mental health as, we, as well because I always see so many people advocating for mental health. You probably see it on Facebook all the time. People doing certain posts and tweets uh, or or things advocating for mental health. And that's all wonderful. That's great. You know, I I applaud that. However, it's just kind of interesting to see that now that a virus has come about, people's mental health should take a back seat. You know, and that's, it's just, I don't understand where this is coming from. You know, I, I, people are saying, no, you guys, mental health is not important. Stay locked up. Stay isolated. You don't need interaction. It's kind of the, uh, kind of the uh, tone that I've been noticing. But we're going to continue to watch here um, as I, I play a little bit more of the next clip here.
4: I ain't anybody, but as far as I've seen, nobody has been fined at this point. But The economic devastation being caused by these lockdowns may be creating a new pandemic, one of mass anxiety and helplessness.
1: I don't have any income coming in. I don't get any food stamps. Um,
2: So it's just hard to get, you know, any help right now. I have a 12-year-old son at home and stuff like that. And with the whole coronavirus going on, it makes me stress more. So when I stress more, I smoke more because I'm pregnant with twins. If we were to get evicted,
0: I don't know what we would do.
4: Now, this is heartbreaking. And you hear these stories all day long. Now we have 22 million people out of work and millions of business owners are facing insolvency. So how many of our fellow Americans are feeling stressed and panicked like the women you just saw?
0: So 22 million claims for unemployment, that's an alarming number. You know, and people are always shunning those or saying, oh, uh, you know, don't you, you need government assistance. You know, they're always claiming making these kinds of claims. But now they're like, oh, no, it's okay. You know, Don't worry about it. Just stay at home. You, know, you don't need to provide for your family. And a lot of people are struggling because unemployment doesn't pay them the wage that they were once receiving. And I've seen a lot of people say things like, well, you could go get a job at a grocery store or you could get a job at this. We have 22 million claims of unemployment. I don't believe that there's enough grocery store positions to fill 22 million spots. I mean, this is an alarming number number to me, and people struggling to provide right now. Now, she does bring on a guest here, and we're going to take a look at that, And but before we get into this, I want to say that she's going to bring on Dr. Phil. Now, there's been a lot of backlash to Dr. Phil because they say he has no place speaking on anything related to the coronavirus, but... I've watched the clip, and he doesn't so much speak to the coronavirus. He speaks more so to the mental health implications that can be caused by the lockdown. So we're going to take a look at that clip uh, uh, as Dr. Phil uh, speaks. Joining me now
4: now is Dr. Phil McGraw, psychologist, author, and host of Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil, thanks so much for being on with us. I think this this isn't part of the calculation um, of the, you know the, the bending the curve and all of those graphs that we see and they're they're very interesting. I'm not saying they're not important, but those comments aren't taken into consideration when we look at those graphs.
3: Well Laura, they never are and thank you for having me on and thank you for giving a voice to this because it's so very important. This is invisible. I can't show you an x-ray of depression. I can't show you an x-ray of anxiety but the fact of the matter is the longer this lockdown goes on, the more vulnerable people get and they're not geared for that and so people are just at home and of course it's a perfect storm Laura because here you've got people that are in isolation, that creates problems. Loneliness actually creates problems. People that suffer from loneliness, they -hmm. become 29% more likely
0: to have coronary artery disease. 32%. So he says 29% more likely to contract coronary artery disease. Now, if you don't know, this is the leading cause of death in America. An estimated 500,000 people die each year from this disease, and we're going to potentially increase that risk. Are those odds by 29% by doing the lockdown? I mean, I just want to, want to you know, I I think that's an important thing to note, you know. Um, the next thing he talks about is 32% more likely to have a stroke. 795,000 people have a stroke every single year, which kills about 140,000 Americans each year. That's just in America alone. Let's hear him talk about that more likely to have strokes or die. 40%
3: more likely to have dementia if they're in that age group. So it's not just that it's psychological, their bodies actually start breaking down. So we think we're protecting people's lives by keeping them locked up. You keep them locked up long enough, there's a paradoxical effect. You actually destroy more lives than you do by letting them go out and protect themselves and
0: opt into their lives to fight for what they believe in. So, forty percent more likely to get dementia. So, if you're in this age group, the claim is that you're forty percent more likely to get dementia. You know, and people say they're always saying, "Oh, let's take care of the elderly." You know, the elderly ones are the ones that are important during this time. I'm, and basically, you have a coin flip. Uh, you know, the chances of a coin flip to develop dementia if you're in that age group, you know? So it's just, you know, I just wanted to kind of touch on those. Again, Dr. Phil, you know, a lot of people have questioned his credibility, but I don't believe he's talking. They're, they're basically giving backlash because they said, who is he to talk about the coronavirus? But I think he, what he's trying to do is deliver a message of the mental health implications the lockdown could have, you know? Um and I do want to touch on his last point about saying going out in public. You can protect yourself by wearing a mask, washing your hands, keep practicing social distancing. So you can do those things. And that's what he's alluding to there. And like I said, my message this evening is not to advocate for people to uh, go out and act foolishly. It's to be smart. Take precautions. You know, it's I don't want people to act foolishly they just I'm, I'm just advocating for people who want to be good citizens go to work provide for their families uh contribute to the economy and keep these devastating blows from happening to the econ- economy but you know quite frankly i believe that the damage may have already been done this may be too late so it's just kind of a. it's kind of a interesting thing and uh I, it, it's something that's worrisome to me, but you know, I really do uh, want to say thank you for uh, listening to me on that. Whether you agree with me or not, you know, is is a totally different thing. Like if you don't, you know, whether we agree or not, it's something to thought that I'm bringing up to be thought provoking, something to kind of make you think and just at the end of the day my I, i'm not a medical professional i don't have all the answers it's just my opinion on the matter but the we're gonna do my last little segment here i just want to talk about one more last thing so being that i've seen so much stuff going on i'm concerned about people being able to provide in their mental health what i would like to do is is i want to donate um, money to the Feed More organization. Now, uh, what I, my goal is to get this video up to a hundred views. So I'm going to give um, one dollar to the Feed, Mer- F- Feed More Food Bank for every person that uh, views this video. Um, so if, uh, if, and that, and I do have, I, I do want to preface it with, you know, we're going to cap this at a hundred dollars um, because this will be my own money that I'm investing or, or putting into uh, Feed More to help people that may be in need. Uh, so I will be doing that. Um, if, so if we can get this video up to 100 views, you can share it on social media. You can uh, like the video. And that's a way that you could show some support um, without actually having to invest any money because for every dollar, whether we get 50 views or or um, 70 views, I'm gonna give $1 to the Feed More Food Banks. Um, also, if you personally would like to donate, uh, you can. Um, what I will do is I'm gonna make sure that, uh, what I'll do is I'll probably wait till next week's episode to see how many uh, views that we get. So, like, probably on Friday at the end of this week, I'll see how many views we have. I'll go down to the food bank and make that donation. I'll get a receipt to show everybody that the donation was made. But if you're interested in do- donating yourself, there's a link down below that I put. I don't know if you can see that there. If you go to streamlabs.com slash Kevin Kirby, you can donate there. And what I will do is I will make sure that I get a separate receipt for anybody who donates and wants their money to go to the food banks to help, you know, people who may be struggling right now with uh, putting food and uh, in their homes and providing for their families. So. I really appreciate that, you know, uh, everybody that's tuning in. And Angela Spain said, I'll match your donation up to a $100. That means the world to me. Um, Thank you so much, Angela, because it's de- definitely something that I want to bring attention and awareness to. Um, Like I said, I'm not advocating for people to go out and act silly and foolish, but people are struggling to put food in their homes. I personally know of some people that are struggling with this so i just want to say thank you so much you guys for tuning in to this week's episode um everybody who shares the videos every week likes the video subscribes to my youtube channel we're up over 30 subscribers now which doesn't seem like a whole lot but it's definitely uh, a a very uh accomplishment accomplishment for me and i couldn't do it without the people that you know uh uh, continuously stay tuned into the show. So I just want to say thank you to everybody uh, for being here, listening to me go on my rant. I'll leave whether we should open up the economy up to you guys, but thank you so much. We're going to see you Monday, next Monday, 7 p.m. Uh, thanks for tuning in.